Hello, I'm Emma Forsyth, and you're listening to A Little Forsyth, the podcast where I ask people what would they say to their younger self if they could. I want to know what advice, information, tips or encouragement they would give themselves that will hopefully help or entertain others who listen in too. I suppose you could call it Foresight through the benefit of hindsight. I really hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Emma Forsyth, and you're listening to A Little Foresight, the podcast where I ask people what would they say to their younger self if they could. I want to know what advice, information, tips or encouragement they would give themselves that will hopefully help or entertain others who listen in too. I suppose you could call it foresight through the benefit of hindsight. I really hope you enjoy it. Welcome to A Little Foresight. I came up with the idea for this podcast well over a year ago, and it's just taken me some time to bite the bullet and start, mainly due to my constant lack of self-confidence and fear of failure, which is one thing I would definitely speak to my younger self about. I have some amazing guests lined up, which I'm really excited about. But this first episode is about me. It's notes from 44-year-old me to 22-year-old me. In a way, this title is what has pushed me to eventually start, as I won't be 44 for that much longer at all, basically just over one week. Another thing that's made me finally do it is hearing a couple of people say lately that once they realised no one really cares about what they do, they got out of their own way and became much happier. So here we go. What have I learned in my 44, almost 45 trips around the sun? The advice I would give my younger self is quite varied. It wouldn't only be about serious topics, but I'm going to start off with something quite serious. Here's one sentence that I would absolutely let myself know. Hormones are a bitch and they impact on so many parts of our health, both physical and mental. And in my case, they've pretty much been an issue for as long as I can remember. They've definitely moulded an awful lot of my life. They've been an impact on my physical health for quite some time between endometriosis and gynae issues onto fertility problems. But they also definitely impacted massively on my mental health. And this is something that you don't necessarily realise about. Hormones and what they did to my body definitely were a massive contributor in me suffering from depression and eating disorders in my teens. All the way up to me still having complete and utter lack of self-confidence, total fear of failure and anxiety issues now, even though I'm well into my 40s. So as I mentioned, hormones had a massive part to play in my physical health. And one thing is endometriosis. I'm not really going to talk about that all that much because I think it's such a big issue it nearly needs its own podcast entirely. But I am going to say that you do need to listen to your body and that you 100% know your body best. I know we have doctors, I know we have specialists, but at the end of the day, you know what you're experiencing and you need to advocate for yourself as much as possible, which can be very hard, particularly if you're a teen and you don't have massive self-confidence. You don't feel you know how you're feeling or what's going on. But this is something that continued with me right up into my 30s until I pretty much did put my foot down and eventually then got a laparoscopy done and turned out, yes, I was actually riddled with endometriosis. And that was pretty much a turning point in my life and in my family life because it was only after I had that surgery done that myself and my other half, Warren, decided to really maybe put some effort into having a baby. Now, we were incredibly lucky with Maya. I actually do call her in my head my miracle child. We were so lucky with her. We decided to stop preventing and we got pregnant very, very quickly. 
And that is the one thing in my life that I will always 100% be so grateful for. The thing was, I wasn't maternal until my 30s. Genuinely actually didn't think I wanted kids. And then decided that I kind of did. And I really think if we had left it much longer, that it wouldn't have happened. So that's something that I want to talk to you about. And that's something that I 100% would tell 22-year-old me. And it's something that I have said to younger people I know, both family, friends and clients. So I want to speak about fertility or infertility and knowing your options. I would pretty much tell most people I know in their 20s, most women I know in their 20s to get their AMH tested. Whether you think you don't want kids, whether you 100% want kids, but it's not the time, whatever your situation is, I would say get your AMH tested and just know your options. So a lot of younger people listening or a lot of people listening who never had fertility issues may have no clue what AMH is. AMH is basically your anti-malarian hormone and it's the hormone that tells people, tells doctors, tells you what your egg reserve is. And this is something that we don't necessarily think about. We get periods in our, you know, before we're teenagers or in our teens and we kind of think they're a blight and, you know, oh God. And in my case, because of the endometriosis, they were horrendous. So when I was 15, after like three years of pretty much constant agony when I had my period and beforehand and afterwards, went to the doctor and got put on the pill because at that stage, and probably still now, there wasn't a lot more options for heavy, painful periods as they were considered to be. Looking back, I obviously had endometriosis. Going on the pill just masks the symptoms of it. It doesn't get rid of it. It actually can be destroying your egg reserve from the outside. And this is something that I only learned about after I had done all, a, a lot of fertility treatment, to be completely honest, not even at the time of diagnosis of endometriosis. So there's a lot of talk that needs to be happening as regards women's gynae health and health in general. I'm very lucky that I have found a doctor who I think is absolutely amazing. And I am going to be speaking to her later on this podcast series, which I'm very excited about. But she she doesn't ignore what you say. And she does realise that people should be advocates for their own health. And she realises that people often do know a lot about their own health, even though it may be just anecdotally. Obviously, if you're not a doctor, or you're not in the medical profession, you don't necessarily know the medical side of it. But you do know what you are going through or what you have gone through. So... As I said, get your AMH tested. It's really easy blood test. Go to your doctor and just say that it's something you want to do. And in some cases in your 20s, they may fob you off and say, sure, why would you be doing that? I'm telling you, don't let them fob you off because a lot of people I know have struggled and it isn't necessarily because of AMH. I do realise that there's lots of other fertility issues, but knowing what your AMH is and knowing what position you are in and what your options are is something that you can very easily find out. It's pretty much non-invasive. As I said, it's just a blood test. I know some people don't like getting their blood taken, but it is pretty much just that. And it will either give you peace of mind or give you knowledge so you can make some decisions. If it turns out that your egg reserve is lower, you may decide to freeze eggs or if you're in a happy relationship, but you don't feel the time is right to have a baby just yet, you may then decide to freeze some embryos. Another thing I would like to say is there is never the right time to have a child and this is something that I look back on and I realise very much and and not so much with Maya because I don't want to change that part of our journey because we wouldn't have Maya you know that was the case but more when we were trying afterwards because conceiving Maya was so easy it lulled everyone into a false sense of security 
Not so much me, probably because I was aware of how many gynae issues I'd had. But even doctors, you know, I remember one specialist who I went for my second laparoscopy to saying, Usher, you know, you're young. And I was like, no, I'm not. And certainly not reproductively speaking, I'm not. I was in my mid 30s, probably possibly even considered late 30s at that stage. So I certainly wasn't. But because I was healthier and because getting pregnant with Maya had been so easy, I suppose everyone kind of thought, oh, look, it's not going to be too hard. Boy, were we wrong. I went through eight rounds of IVF stims and the pressure that that puts on your body, that puts on your health, like your physical health, your mental health, your emotion health, puts on your relationships, puts on everything is extreme. But I just kept doing it. I would like to say here that I am actually very happy with my little family and I am so happy to be Maya's mum. But I felt so guilty for letting Maya, who kept asking about a sibling, and Warren down. I just, as I wrote an article about it a few years ago, after I finished my stims, called Feeling Faulty. And it's so true. I I just feel faulty. And whilst my logical brain tells me I'm not, that this was because I had health issues that were missed, or just because I had health issues, it still doesn't stop me from feeling that way. I felt like the one thing that is natural and that should be easy for me. It's not easy for a lot of people. I do realise that is getting pregnant and it wasn't. Was with Maya, but it wasn't after that. So I would just say, make sure you know your options early on, because whilst it could be easy peasy lemon squeezy when you decide to get pregnant, it might not be. And because women are waiting a lot later, it means that you may not have that much time to deal with the issues. There's a reason why people had babies younger and it is purely down to your reproductive health. I don't feel it necessarily makes you a better parent to be younger. I don't think it necessarily makes you a better parent to be older either. But I just think reproductively, we were meant to do this a lot earlier. And I do completely appreciate that people don't feel ready, that people feel like where they are in their life, they still need to achieve more or change more. They don't feel financially ready. They might not feel mentally ready. There are so many reasons and I completely appreciate that. But I would just make sure that you know your options so that when or if, because you may never want to have kids, when you decide, you know what you can do. So basically, in summation, get your AMH tested, know your options and also listen to your body. You know you. Right. So the second thing I would tell my younger self is follow your dreams. And that basically means don't ignore your gut instinct on something. And that's also an, when it comes to positive and negative things, do not ignore your gut. But follow your dreams. When I did my leaving, I got offered, at the time you got offered a CEO and CAS. I have no idea what it's like now. I'm sure I will in a few years and Maya's going through it. But at the time, journalism in DCU was on CAS. I think it was a diploma rather than a degree. And I got offered social science in UCD. And then two days later, I got offered journalism in DCU. And I wanted to do journalism, but my head for various stupid reasons, told me to go to UCD. It's closer. It's a degree. It's more recognised, whatever. Like DCU is an amazing, absolutely amazing university. But I suppose I, from where I came from, from South County, Dublin, was so UCD or Trinity was the way to go. Now, once again, no no regrets is, I suppose, how you have to look at life because it brings you to where you are all the choices you've made. But I would tell my younger self, just 
follow your dreams, follow your gut. It felt right for me to do journalism, but my head was telling me not to. And I have been going to Reiki for quite a number of years to my absolutely amazing Reiki healer, Jan, who I do credit with changing a lot of stuff in my life. And she would always say to me that I'm too in my head. I am, I am too in my head. I am completely in my head. I'm one of these people who gets into bed and my brain just starts going 90 to the dozen, just keeps asking questions and thinking about stuff and I just can't sleep. And that is how I've probably always been. And unfortunately, Maya is quite like that too. But I am so in my head about many things. Now, I have found over the last few years that I am listening to my instinct again. I think it's something we do as kids. We, we just have instincts and we have ideas and we just go with them. And then society or whatever, or our own insecurities, definitely in my case, shake this out of us and we start second guessing a lot of things. And it's that second guessing of things that often means you don't actually make the decision that you would instinctively make, which is probably the right thing to do. So follow your dreams, do not ignore your gut. That's two things I'd like to say. And whilst I'm saying the word gut, gut health is a massive thing. It is something that has come to the fore over the last few years, but it is something that another health issue that has massively impacted me. I had IBS, I had a hiatus hernia, I was on all these different medications. I've had every kind of procedure done possible to figure out what's going on. I know a lot of it results are down to me internalising everything. So yes, being in my head and internalizing all my worries and all my stresses. And once I started going to Reiki and once I started talking about things a lot more, it did make a difference. So I would say definitely look into your probiotics, your prebiotics. Um, if you're brilliant and you'll take it in, you know, your food, then amazing. I don't like sauerkraut. And I don't like a lot of those things. So I take Simprove and I find it makes a massive difference to me. I know some dietitians and nutritionists will say, oh, there's no proof there. But for me, anecdotally, it definitely makes a difference. And your gut health just impacts on so many different parts of your life as we're all beginning to learn. And I think it's something that I would 100% tell 22 year old me. Another thing I tell 22-year-old me is give your granny and your granddad a big hug. Uh, something you probably need to know about me is I'm extremely emotional and I cry very easily. So if you hear it in my voice, yes, I probably am getting quite emotional talking about this. But um, when I was 22, I moved to Australia. And the day before I was going, this is going to, I am definitely going to cry, sorry. The day before I was going, I went out with my dad to say goodbye to his mum, my granny. And my granny was such a strong woman. Her, my granddad died when she had a lot of young kids. She had 11 kids all together and she brought them up and she was absolutely amazing. And I had never seen her get emotional as such. I'd never seen her cry or anything. So we were going to the door and I was saying goodbye and she started crying and she ran back into the living room. I was, I was just in shock. And my dad just said to me, you go on out of the car. And he went back into her. And he came out a few minutes later and he was obviously quite upset because my dad's emotional too. Um, he was obviously quite upset too. So I asked him what it was and he didn't really want to tell me, but I think he knew he had to tell me that it would I would be thinking about it too much if he didn't. And my granny, who I had, I'd never seen this side of her, basically said she got this feeling that she was never going to see me again. Now, I'd like to point out that she wasn't that old. My parents were very young having me, so it wasn't like she was in her... 90s and you know that was some kind of obvious but um yeah so she just got this feeling she was never going to see me in person again so when I was in Australia um she had a heart attack and I got the phone call to say tell me this 
But it seemed like she was possibly going to be okay. So they told me not to come back. They didn't tell me not to come back. They advised me not to come back because they said I probably wouldn't be allowed in to see her anyway because that would give her more of a shock because she knew I was in Australia and that wouldn't be great for her. So just to give it a week or two and just see how it was. And she seemed to be getting better. And I spoke to my dad and he was like, yeah, no, she's much better. She's talking to people. But unfortunately, she had another massive heart attack and she passed away and... She didn't. I didn't ever see her again. And I'm not someone who deals with loss in a very stoic manner. I was devastated and so upset. And I decided I was coming home. And I know a lot of people wouldn't, but I had had seen my granny almost every day of my childhood. So I was very close to both my grandparents on both sides. So I basically spent the next two days coming home and got home just in time for her funeral. And I am really glad I did that. And I did go back to Australia for a little while afterwards. So then the next year, my granddad, my mum's dad, who I who I was incredibly close to when I was in Boston, he passed away quite suddenly as well. So, yeah, that was excuse my language, pretty shit (laughs) to have two grandparents pass away while you're outside of the country and and the traveling back and stuff. Um, And also if and if this last year and a bit has taught us anything during covid It's that hugs are something that you very much miss. I actually hugged my granny last week for the first time in 14 months because she's fully vaccinated and (laughs) she's so funny. She actually, I had had cold sores the week before, two weeks before. So Maya was going to give her an elbow and granny said, oh, well, and she said to Maya, you can hug me now, I'm fully vaccinated. So Maya gave her a big hug, which was absolutely amazing to see. Maya is so incredibly lucky to have four grandparents and a great granny. So she gave her a big hug. And then I thought to myself, do you know what? I want to give her a hug too. The aforementioned cold sore, so I had had them. And when I went to give her a hug, she was like, um, do you still have those things on your face? I was like, no, granny, I'm not going to give you COVID or cold sores. You're all right. I actually kept my face completely away from her when I hugged her. I turned the other way, but it was very nice hugging her. But yes, I would tell 22 year old me to make sure to spend time, which I did. I'm very lucky. I got to spend a lot of time with my grandparents, but to spend time with those you love and to hug them and kiss them and tell them you love them. That's a big thing. And don't take any time you have with them for granted because, you know, Stuff like that is going to come to an end someday, unfortunately, as much as we don't want to think about that. So, yes, make sure you spend as much time with those you love. And as I said, if this year has taught us anything, it's how important that is. So now I'm going to talk about something that hopefully won't have me crying. But you never know. I'm so emotional. I could cry about anything. I'm going to talk about looking after yourself, looking after in particular, looking after your skin and also looking after your boobs. So my So going back to my granny, a number of years ago, she told me that when you're putting moisturiser on, don't just put it on your face, put it on your neck. Now, obviously, they're saying put it on your chest and stuff. And I'm so glad she told me that because I never would have thought to do that, really. Now, obviously, we're being told a lot and there's great people out there who tell you all about skincare. But I would definitely go back to 22-year-old me and make sure I reinforce how important it is to look after your skin. Now, I actually have always been quite good at this. I started cleansing, toning and moisturising when I was about 12, I think. And I've always had fairly decent skin. And I don't know if I've had decent skin because I looked after it or probably more so mostly because of just genetics. I think looking after it helps as well, but I do think it's a genetic thing as well. And I've been very lucky that I've had quite good skin my whole life to the point that if I ever got a spot as a teenager, my dad would kind of be like, oh, you've got a pimple because it was quite unusual. I think I probably got nearly more spots now 
my 40s than I did when I was a, a teenager. But one thing I wasn't very good at is applying SPF. I've quite sallow skin, so I didn't really burn. So I suppose in my head it was like, oh, sure, I'm not going to burn. I can just get a tan. No. Now I am being very good for the last few years, factor 50, but I wasn't. And I would say to myself, you need to start applying that a lot earlier. And actually, I remember Rosanna saying to me that to put it on your hands, that she puts her sun, sun cream on her hands. And I was kind of like, why? And now I totally see why. She's so right. And I'm sure that probably partly came from her fabulous mum, Diane. They're both just such beautiful, glamorous women. Um, but it is such good advice. So SPF, face hands, chest, neck, SPF everywhere, obviously. But I mean, even on days when it doesn't seem that sunny out, make sure you put on your SPF. And hand cream. Hand cream is another thing. You see it in programs, people just putting it on as they're getting into bed. And I've started doing that as well. But like the SPF, I probably didn't start it early enough. So yes, make sure you have good SPF, good hand cream. You look after your skin. And another thing I mentioned at the start was your boobs. Now, there's schools of thought on this as to whether or not wearing, you know, bras in bed is good or I would always say get measured and get really good underwear. I'm not necessarily saying really expensive underwear, but I'm saying good underwear, supportive underwear and know your size. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, sports bras are so important for us women. Genuinely have been driving down the road and have seen young girls out running and their boobs are going left, right and centre. And I just want to stop the car and say, get a good sports bra because those girls are not going to stay exactly as they are. And you're just speeding up that process by running along and having them bounce left, right, up and down. At the end of the day, getting older and having babies and breastfeeding are all going to contribute (laughs) to how they look. But I do think if you look after them as much as possible, they will come out of all that a little bit better. When I was breastfeeding Maya, I was 36 double G, as in 36 good God, which is quite big because I'm not a particularly tall or big person. I've always had biggish boobs, but never that size. And I literally look at pictures of me now when I was breastfeeding and I'm like, oh my God, all I can see are the boobs. And I did think when I was younger that I might want a boob job, not necessarily to make them bigger. Now I 100% know that I wouldn't want to make them any bigger. But I can see the merit in a post-kid boob job. Actually, I can see the merit in a boob job if you want it, full stop. I am not one of these people who has anything to say about any kind of cosmetic works. If you feel you want to get them done and and you've had a couple of conversations with people you trust about it and you know you're doing it for the right reasons, then I'm all for whatever you feel you want to do. I can't wait to get back to Beacon Face and Dermatology and get my Botox. And I know we don't know that much about it and I'm not advocating it for anybody else. 100%. I'm just saying for me, they do such a good job there that a lot of friends and family don't even know I've had it. Now I'm outing myself, but a lot of people don't even know I've necessarily had Botox because they do such little amounts of it. But for me, going back to what I said earlier about lack of self-confidence, it definitely does help me a little bit with my confidence when I get it done. I wish I was one of these people who put no heed in how I looked. I 100% do. I am jealous of anyone who can be like that. I am so jealous of people who love themselves no matter what. But I am and always have been the complete opposite. And I genuinely thought as I got older, this wouldn't happen. And you hear people say, oh, as you get older, you care less. I, I don't know if I do. The one good thing in my life that has made me think about openly criticising myself every day, because I do that genuinely. And, and I'm not saying this for poor me or anything, but I genuinely look in the mirror and, and just look at the negatives all the time. Always have done pretty much since those hormones kicked in at puberty and... 
I could tell you 20 things I hate about myself, but I find it very hard to tell a couple of things I like about myself. But one thing that has helped me is I think if I heard Maya say the stuff to herself that I have often and do often say to myself, I would be absolutely devastated. And I never want her to hear me say those things openly. Whatever about me thinking them, I never, ever, ever want her to hear me say those things because I do not want her to put any heed in how she looks. And I don't mean she shouldn't look after herself or she shouldn't, you know, want to to wear makeup or do whatever. But I'm just saying it, it shouldn't be for her a defining factor of who she is. And it's very hard with little girls. And, and there's a thing that has been found is that in, in a lot of cases, people tell little girls how gorgeous they are and how pretty they are and how cute they are. And they don't necessarily say that to boys as much. They tell boys how smart they are and how strong they are and how brave they are. And we know this and we've seen a lot of campaigns that are trying to make people not focus on how people look. But even knowing this, I find it hard because there's times, particularly when you're looking at your own kid and you just think you are the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen in my life. And you say that to them. But now I try and make sure when I'm saying stuff to Maya, I don't just focus on physical attributes. I tell her how generous she is and how kind she is and how funny she is and how loving she is, how smart she is. And of course, how beautiful she is. And by beauty, I don't just mean external. I mean internal too, because and I know she's my child, but she is just such a fabulous, not my child. She's our child. Sorry, Warren. She's just such a fabulous person. And I love, love, love spending time with her. And I'm so blessed to have her. So after that little segue there, I am actually going to talk about something now that I sort of touched on, but didn't 100%, which is confidence and how important it is. I've always had very bad self-image. I I, no, actually, that's a complete lie. I haven't always. I was a gregarious child. I was so outgoing. I was the one who was, you know, doing the readings for the communion and I had no problem singing for people and getting up on stage and doing anything. I had loads of confidence as a child. And then I suppose once, as I already mentioned, once kind of puberty hit in and peer pressure and slagging, my self-image, my self-confidence just tanked. And I've never really been a particularly confident person. And it's quite strange because I was a television presenter and I was on the radio and I can get up on a stage and talk in front of 500 people and I can do stuff like that. But walking into a room, I literally have fear. I'm like, if it's, I mean, obviously not one of the rooms in my house or my family's a friend's house, but I'm talking, walking into a room where I don't know if I'm going to know anybody. I literally am wondering who will I know in here that I can zero in on and go over and talk to. My other half, Warren, is brilliant. He can walk into a room of complete strangers and we'll chat to them all. And it's absolutely brilliant. And I really, really wanted Maya to take after him. But unfortunately, she very much has taken after me in a lot of ways. And she is confident in some ways, but she also is very sensitive. Not that he's not, but he has what I call a healthy dose of selfishness. And it is so important. It, it sounds like it, it isn't, but it really is in that he will think about himself. But Maya definitely doesn't want to upset anyone else and is very worried about other people and is the type of child who will queue because her mummy has instilled it in her, who will queue and get skipped in queues because other kids will just take what they want. And I am proud to say I have seen that change slightly in her in that she will now speak up a little bit more for what she wants. And that is just so brilliant. Long may it flourish and continue. But yes, confidence. This is something that I realised, I suppose, in my 20s, that confidence can often mean somebody gets a job or a position or or something happens to them over and above people who may be more qualified and may be more knowledgeable on something, but they just aren't confident enough. 
it definitely gives you an edge. And whilst I know it's not inherent in me to be confident, it would be something I would be saying to my younger self is to try and build on that confidence and or her lack of confidence, but try and build confidence. Try and fake it till you make it, as they say. And running along from confidence, there is the fact that you can say no, put you first. I think a lot of people who don't have a massive level of, of self-confidence are also people pleasers in a lot of cases. And I was 100% one of these. Still am in some ways, but I have gotten so much better at saying no and at putting me first. Well, actually, probably putting my family first. Once again, Maya is a big factor in that. But I used to feel bad if I didn't do something that people asked me to do. I used to feel like, well, I I can do it, even if it was completely and utterly putting me out. And even if it meant I was putting off stuff that was important for me, I very often still did it. So that is a really important thing that I would tell 22 year old me, because at the end of the day, a lot of the people that you think you're helping or a lot of the people that you think would would reciprocate with this might necessarily. And that's going to hurt an awful lot if they don't, particularly if you have overlooked parts of yourself or parts of your own life to do something for them. And then even when you need them, they're not there. It's going to just, you know, it's going to cut. So you do need to put you first. Not always, not to be completely selfish and totally narcissistic, but, you know, you do need to put yourself first, certainly a lot of the time. And then if you can help other people and it's not going to impact on your life dramatically or it's not going to impact on your mental health dramatically, 100% do and be as kind as you can. That's something that's been all over social media for the last while and completely true is be kind and kindness. And it is so important and it is a thing that I've massively instilled in Maya. And it is a thing that a lot of adults who meet her say she's so kind and mannerly and pleasant. But you need to be just as kind to yourself as you are to other people. And that's where a lot of people pleasers end up falling down short. When Rosanna Davidson and I did our workshop a few years ago, it's funny, we sent each other our talks and we both had a version of be kind to others, but be kind to yourself at the end of the talk without knowing that we were going to do it. So it just shows how important it felt to both of us. And another thing is be present. Don't constantly be thinking about what's going to happen in the future or regretting what's happened in the past. My dad has often said to me, don't sweat the small stuff. And it's I really think this year is the first time or last year is the first time that I've I've started actually focusing on it. If something happens and you're stressed about it and you're worried about it and it's consuming you, you need to think to yourself, will this matter in an hour? Will it matter in a day? Will it matter in a week? If the answer to any of those things is no, it won't really, then it isn't worth your time. As in it isn't worth your time stressing and worrying about it. And I'm not going to say here, oh, don't worry, because I am an inherent worrier. And as much as people tell me and I say, tell myself not to worry, I do. But I am trying to make myself do it an awful lot less. And another thing I have, and this has really been brilliant for me this year. Another thing I'm telling myself is I can only control the controllable. And this has pretty much never been more true in our lives as a, a world, as a society, as human beings, as it has been in 2020 and 2021. There we are thinking we're top of the food chain and oh yeah, we, we have everything in control. We didn't. We all know we all know we didn't, but you know, we did not think that something as tiny as a virus and something like COVID nineteen was going to come and was going to put so much sadness and loss and change into our world. And it is hyper focused that we can only control the controllable. So I would definitely be telling twenty two year old me to be more confident 
to be present, to stop worrying about every little aspect of everything, to realise that I can put myself first and that I can say no. I would also be telling 22 year old me that selfish, horrible people will always be selfish and horrible. They just will. And I know, you know, they say, oh, people change, but they very often don't. And you need to just rise above that and you need to get rid of those people from your life. And there's loads of cases where people are toxic and they're bullies and they don't have any comprehension of what they're like. And let's be honest, we all treat people shitty at certain stages in our life. I wouldn't say there's a single person out there who could say they have never been mean or done anything that they wish they hadn't or that wasn't nice to other people. But I would say for the vast majority of us, it was infrequent and definitely in the minority as opposed to the majority of how they treated other people. So yeah, you can pretty much only look out for yourself. And obviously as a parent, you mould and shape your children as well. And the best job we can do is to mould and shape them to realise that this world isn't equal and that there are people out there who are treated a lot worse. And that's another thing that 2020, 2021 has made me realise as hard as it has been, and I'm not undermining my anxiety or my loss or and my stress in any way or anyone else's. But I have learned to check my privilege quite a lot. And I am privileged. Yes, my business has been closed. And yes, I've been so worried about everyone I love. And yes, people I know have lost those people they love. And it's been incredibly scary. And it's been incredibly challenging and incredibly lonely. But I have done all of this from my lovely house, watching Netflix, getting takeaways, supporting local businesses. I have had... We have a garden. I have lovely outdoor space. I live near the sea. Most of those I love have been within my, you know, 2K in a lot of cases or 5K or 20K or within my county. And whilst I haven't been able to see them anyway, like it used to be, at least you can go for walks with people or grab coffees. And yes, I'm, I'm very scared about the future of my business and I don't know if it will survive. And that's quite a tough thing because, you know, 15 years I've been working on it or 14 years I've been open but 15 years I've been working on it and it may or may not get through 2021 who knows and yes I'm broke and that's not a particularly nice place to be but I am lucky that my other half whilst also working for himself and having his business closed at certain times does quite well so whilst we're not rolling in it we weren't ever struggling particularly. So I do check my privilege and all those times that I get very worried about what the future is going to hold and I I get stressed about things. I do think to myself, I'm living in Ireland, which I think I personally think I'm very lucky to have been born in Ireland. I am very lucky to have been born a white woman in Ireland. And that's just purely down to where I was born. Geography, basically. I have been looking at, you know, people in poorer countries and other parts of the world and not necessarily in poorer countries, but in poorer areas of society in other parts of the world or the fact that people of colour have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19 in the rich countries in the world and not just disproportionately affected by COVID-19, disproportionately affected full stop when it comes to a lot of things. I do appreciate that. But like at the moment, I'm looking at India and I'm just thanking my lucky stars that I am living in Dublin, that I am healthy and that for the most part, most people I know haven't been massively affected by COVID-19. I mean, I definitely couldn't do a podcast about what I tell 22-year-old me without talking about 2020 and 2021 and COVID-19, could I? It's probably the thing that's impacted the most on most of our lives. 
definitely something we will remember forever, isn't it? So to lighten the mood slightly, I am going to talk about something that I would never have thought would have so much of a, a theme in my life, which is fart stories. So I'm vegetarian. I've been vegetarian since I was 13. And as most people know, vegetarians do tend to be more flatulent. In our house, we call them fluffies. And I'm very aware that this is quite a fluff piece to add in here. But I have a number of fart stories, but two of the main ones, and I can't believe I'm saying this here in a forum, but anyway, two of the main thing, public forum is what I meant. Two of the main ones are, first off, when I was in sixth year, our school had us doing yoga classes, which is very progressive and was brilliant, you know, try and relieve the stress of doing the leaving cert. And as anyone who's done yoga or anyone who knows anything about exercise will attest to, you can often fluffy when you're exercising. It happens a lot in the studio to people. So that's how it's, you know, it's still continued to stay in my life. But when I was in sixth year, doing my leaving cert, we were doing yoga and we bent over, don't know, we were doing downward dog, we were doing something anyway, and I fluffied. Now, before I even had a chance to react or apologise for it, the girl behind me, who I still know to this day, reacted quite loudly and everyone thought it was her. She went bright red then and was saying, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And obviously, because she was so vociferous about it, everyone thought, oh, well, it must have been her. I was laughing and it took me probably about a minute to actually say, no, sorry, that wasn't her, that was me. And I'll never forget how embarrassed she was, even though it was me that had fluffied. But the second and way more embarrassing situation of the farting was when I was opening the studio. So I don't think I've mentioned, I've mentioned that my business has been closed, but I own Pilates Plus Dublin. And obviously uh, that has been closed, but I've owned it for 14 years now. So over 14 years ago, I was in the process of finishing up, doing up the studio. And my original studio was down in Dunleary, down actually in Dunleary itself. And I was outside, I think I was painting the door and this couple had walked by a few times. And anyway, they started asking me all about the classes. Now, I was obviously very, very excited, you know, starting up a new business. So I said, come on in, come on in. And I was showing them the machines and they were wondering all about them because at that stage, there were very, very few places that had any type of Pilates machine or any type of machine that people were doing anything similar to Pilates on. So I decided here, I'll show you some exercises. And I decided that I would do long spine stretch, which anyone who's done my classes or done any Pilates based classes will probably know what it is. So you're lying down, you have your feet in the straps, you're lifting yourself up in the air. So I was doing this and you're opening your legs out wide and you're rolling down. And after like two times doing this and the third time, I lifted myself up in the air and I farted. Like at this stage, my backside is pretty much almost up a face level for them. Um, both myself and the woman reacted the same way, which was basically, oh my God. And the man started laughing and said, oh, well, sure, it's only natural. Now, as much as he said that and as nice as they were, funnily enough, they never actually came and did a class. But actually for a few years when I thought about that, I would kind of shudder with embarrassment. Now, I'm not actually that embarrassed about it. I farted. Everyone farts. Most people fart. To be honest, everybody farts. I just happened to do it in front of two strangers while my ass was up in the air and I was trying to show them how to do an exercise. Now, there's also been lots of other fart stories that have been part of my life, but some of them aren't my farts. So I'm not going to talk about them here. But yes, flatulence has definitely been a part of my life and has made up a lot of the kind of funny anecdotal stories that I have. I'm genuinely sitting here going, did I just talk about fart stories on the podcast? But yes, I did. I'm going to own it. So I'm going to try and wrap up fairly quickly, but there's just a few things that I would definitely say to my younger self. And one of those things is about social media. Social, social media is a relatively new phenomenon and it certainly wasn't around when I was 22. 
We definitely didn't have smartphones and I am so glad about that. I never did anything massively stupid, but I definitely did things that I wouldn't have liked to have been documented by anybody. And I'm so grateful that those things that I did were done well before camera phones and social media. A few years ago, Marissa Carter asked me to do a talk. It was a series that Coco Brown were doing for transition year students. So amongst many things, one of the things I spoke about and not by design, just happened, was about my eating disorders and all the issues I had as a teenager. But another thing I said to them was, I have no idea how they deal with social media as well as they do. I do appreciate that they've grown up with it. And so it is something that is more normal for them. But still, I had such massive self issues and I did not have to contend with the totally fake and curated lives that people put up on social media, particularly on Instagram. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Instagram. I love filter. I love swiping for Paris. I try not to do it too often and I try not to use too many of the other filters because of the type of person I am. When I see my real self, I then get anxious and upset and and, and kind of can't understand why my real self looks like that. And that's as an adult. So I cannot comprehend how they do it as teenagers, because At the end of the day, the vast majority of what we see on social media, particularly on Instagram, is not the real life story of that person. It is a snippet. It is usually a happy snippet. It's usually curated. It's usually filtered. It usually isn't a complete observation of that person or their lives. Now, don't get me wrong. Even as an adult, I look at like the Kardashians, for example, and think, wow, wouldn't it be amazing to have the lifestyle they have, to have the money they have? But then I think I would absolutely hate, hate to live my life constantly in the public eye, which is what they've done. So I would definitely tell myself about social media and definitely tell myself that in a lot of cases, it is not real. It can be very, very fake in some cases. People completely make up things or in the most case, it is just a tiny little curated box, a tiny little snippet of what has been going on in that person's life. And as I've said before, very few people are going to put up a picture of themselves after they've been sitting on the toilet with food poisoning. We just don't see that side of people's lives. And I do appreciate that in a lot of cases, social media is a form of escapism or voyeurism into what other people are doing and how amazing things can be for other people. So you don't necessarily want to see that side of their lives, but we should all realise that they still are there and it still happens to them too. So we need to realise that people don't just filter how they look in these videos and pictures, they actually filter their entire lives. Another thing I would tell 22 year old me is to sing more and to dance more. I love singing and dancing. And weirdly, given my personality type, I have actually sang live on national TV and actually wasn't all that worried about doing it. Was obviously nervous, and it, but nervous excitement as opposed to nervous worry. The day after it came out, I did have a bit of a cringe moment. I was interviewing a football manager because I was then working as a presenter on um, sports shows. Now, it wasn't Arsene Wenger or anything. It was the Bohemians manager, not putting down bows, go bows. And as the interview started, uh, he decided to sing back the song that we had been singing, which was a Sugar Babe song to me. So that was quite embarrassing. But I suppose what my point really is, is do more of what you love. I love singing. I love dancing. And I do find when I'm a bit stressed or when I'm more anxious, I don't tend to sing all that much. I don't tend to dance all that much. Um, I would be very much one for singing in the car, singing in the shower. Maya thinks it's hilarious because I've got a lot of volume to my voice. I'm not saying it's particularly good. Probably was a lot better when I was younger, but I can sing very, very loud. So she often says I sound like I have a microphone when I'm singing. But when I'm really stressed, I don't tend to do it very much. So that is something that I've been making myself do a little bit more. 
and dancing. I used to love going out and dancing and then I found there was nowhere really to go to do that in Dublin. Does anyone else feel that? There was a stage of absolutely brilliant clubs where you could just go and dance. It didn't matter if you didn't drink and I've never done drugs and I'm not really a big drinker either, but I could just go and dance my little feet off. And then I feel, obviously it's my age as well, but then I feel like nightclubs went through a stage of, you know, well, it's your, you don't dance. That's not cool. You just kind of stand around and, you know, look at other people but I do love dancing and we de- now have a get up and dance song in our house so when Coldplay Sky Full of Stars comes on we have to get up and dance so myself and Maya be jumping around the room and it is so much fun and um, one thing that was brilliant through lockdown was putting on Deck Pierce on Block Rock and Beats on Friday night and just dancing away or or having it on the background while we were playing board games or whatever, rather than just mindlessly watching TV. No issue with mindlessly watching TV. Also, I'd like to point out, do more of what you love. And I also love watching TV. So there was a stage where I kind of felt guilty. And you always feel embarrassed about watching TV or about what you're watching on TV because it isn't highbrow enough or whatever. But you know what? I like watching Friends and I like watching Modern Family and I like watching Schitt's Creek. Not that they're not fabulous, particularly Modern Family and Schitt's Creek are just brilliant comedies and so well written, particularly Schitt's Creek. But I like watching all those kind of things. So do more of what you love, whatever that is. And another thing, and probably the last thing I'm going to talk about is friendships and the fact that friends do come and go. And it isn't necessarily because you've had a fight. Sometimes you don't even know what the reason is. And I do mean that they come and go. So there are people in my life who I was friends with. And then I, I'm not going to say I wasn't friends with them. I didn't fall out with them, but I just didn't hear from them or speak to them or see them. And then for various reasons, they come back into your life. And some some of these people are some of the most important people to me. They're some of my closest friends. I'm so thankful that they came back into my life, but they did leave for a period. And some people you will have forever. And friendships change dramatically. And this is something that can be quite upsetting and quite hurtful. And when somebody who was very important to you isn't there as much or you don't feel as if you're as important to them anymore, it it can really affect you. But I suppose what I need to tell 22 year old me is it isn't necessarily something that I did and it isn't necessarily something that they did. It can often just be life or circumstance or geography. But as we all know, after living through the last while, one thing we do need to realise is how important those we love both friends and family actually are and how important it is to appreciate them and also how important it is to tell them how much they mean to you. So so this is me taking the opportunity to tell those people and I, I know most of you know exactly who you are, how important you are to me and how thankful I am to have you in my life and how lucky I feel that you did come into my life at various stages. And I'm not one of those people who has a massive crowd of like 30, 40 friends, you know, in a big group. I more have like individual friendships or, you know, a couple of smaller groups of friends. And that's just me. And that's probably just my personality type as well. But I would like to make sure that you all know how much you mean to me. So, yes, friends do come and go, but also make sure that you cherish the moments you have with them whilst they're there. So that's me having rabbited on about a number of topics. Sorry if you feel like I went off on tangents. That is how my brain works. I wish I could cultivate that like the Jason Burns of the world and actually make it into a career. I don't know if anyone's ever seen him do a comedy gig, but I'm sure he does have a script when he walks out on stage. But of all the, and I think I've seen him about six or seven times, of all the times I've seen him, I cannot believe he has ever stuck to a script. There I go off my little tangent again. But I'd just like to say, I hope, Somebody out there got something from this. 
whether that's information or knowledge or an idea that they should look into something or just that they laughed at the fart stories. I'm incredibly thankful to you for listening to it. Now, as I said, I have some amazing guests lined up and I'm so excited about that. So going forward, you won't be listening to me wittering on about my life or what I would tell me. But I do hope that you enjoyed this. And I once again, thank you so much for listening in. Take care and stay safe. Thank you so much for listening to A Little Foresight. If you enjoyed it, please share with others and like and subscribe. If there's anyone you'd like to hear on the podcast, or if you have any questions or just want to chat about anything spoken about, please do get in touch. It's A Little Foresight on Instagram and Little Foresight on Twitter. Take care and stay safe. Thank you so much for listening to A Little Foresight. If you enjoyed it, please share with others and like and subscribe. If there's anyone you'd like to hear on the podcast, or if you have any questions or just want to chat about anything spoken about, please do get in touch. It's A Little Foresight on Instagram and Little Foresight on Twitter. Take care and stay safe.